back football pod. Caleb, with these te- th- with these three teams that we're previewing today, Akron, Central Michigan, and Kent State. If I were to ask you, who if the if the defensive MVP of this conference were to come from one of these three schools this year, who do you think that player is? I want to go first, Troy Brown. Well, I mean, you're going to get somebody from Central. Um, at le- yeah, at I- least like highly thought of for that category for sure. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a Kent or Akron guy. Um, no love for Bubba. All right, heard that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Troy Brown's a pretty good pick in general. It's kind of hard to pick against that in general, right? Um, and Troy Harrison kind of came. Two-time Troy, first team All-Mac guy. I mean, we'll get into yeah. it later, but Jesus, man, he's so good. Troy Harrison came out kind of uh, at a, not not out of nowhere, but like surged in a way that productive-wise, it's easy to look at those numbers and say like, oh, damn, he was really did a lot in a short amount of time. So, like, that's tempting, right? So... But I think I still think you're right. I think Troy Brown's. I don't know. I still go with Troy Brown. I think if it was going to be a surprise one, maybe like somebody like Devonte Reed, um, that cornerback might be another guy to look out for. But that's like a very, very much a dark horse pick. We do have so as a proper introduction because just judging by the numbers, this may or may not be the first time anybody listens to this podcast. Uh, got a huge bump last week when we started the Mac previews. Who would have thought that? people would actually finally start to care about the Mac <laughs> once once the season starts actually coming along, once we cross that 50-day till mark. It's like, oh, Hell. my gosh, I got I to gotta start knowing. Yeah, dude, we're across the 40. We're at the 40. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for joining us on Mac Football Pod. Uh, go ahead. You, you know how podcasts work. Just subscribe. Do all that stuff. Also, if you really like what you hear, go ahead and throw us a five-star review because that really helps us like get new listeners and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to have a popular niche podcast. I kind of like the way that this has been going. So thank you for, you know, any of you, anybody that's been like an early listener, hanging on, being supportive and getting really, really into it throughout the winter. And now even more so as, like I said, we cross the 40, we're approaching the 30, we're almost at kickoff. Uh, also patreon.com forward slash Alvarado on Maction is kind of an extension of my work. So uh, just check that out for uh, also supporting this show too. This show today, we're previewing Akron. We're previewing Central Michigan. We're previewing Kent State. Oh my goodness. You know, that's a good rivalry right there. Very underrated. The wagon wheel, but easily one of the best in this league. And I... If you say you're a Mac fan, you have to watch this game start to finish and know you're not forcing yourself to do it. Even if these two teams are like 1 and 11, we've lived through this. Like watching two like 1 and 11 and 2 and 10 teams just like duke it out at Dick's or at Infocision or at the, the, the Rubber Bowl. That's one hell of a rivalry, and I'm glad that we get to talk about them. Caleb, what say you? Well, I mean, we were looking at a game that was a little more competitive in recent years, and uh, or I, as a, I mean, was more competitive a few years back, I think, but maybe my historical knowledge is lacking in that sense of what it actually looked like. But that's more just because Akron was a team that could be 
a few wins here and there, and every once in a while would have a winning season. Kent State was a low end of the max slash middling team on a good year. So Akron still has a way to go to make this a really exciting game. I know last year, like we saw where Kent State's defense really struggled to slow down Akron's run game when up to that point, Akron hadn't done a lot uh, to prove that they had an offense of note. So looking forward to that aspect of it again, are we going to get a shootout out of the, out of the wagon wheel? Or are we going to, or is Kent State going to um, put its stamp on the East and run away with things and, you know, really play like they can. Yeah. And like, even if these two teams are like in vastly different worlds, if like, you know, they're going to meet up uh, second to second to last week of the year, even if, and when Kent State and Akron's records are vastly different by like six or seven games, very possible that that's the case. Uh, you know, if there is expected, but this should still be a competitive ass game, and I'm excited when we get to that point. Uh, but looking at Akron's schedule, let's just start with the Zips right now. Uh, their non conference is never nice. It's never nice. No. Uh, it, the only somewhat winnable game here in FBS, like they should beat Bryant. They should. They should beat Bryant. Um, maybe they beat Temple. Who knows? They got them at home. Uh, but they're at Auburn, at Ohio State. And then the rest of the way, they're home against Ohio, at Bowling Green, at Miami, home to Buffalo. Uh, tough. Oh, my God. Like, this is as bad as, like, a Mac West draw as you can get. Like, why, does, why is the Mac hating Akron? Uh, the latter quarter, the, the last third of the schedule, home against Ball State, at Western, home against Kent State, and then at Toledo. Like, it's rough. It's a little rough, man. That's not good. Ugh. Pour one out for the Zips. Like, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to talk shit about Akron. It's just not fun to shit on programs that aren't doing well. Yeah, that's why it's more fun to shit on Akron basketball. Yeah, exactly. Well, coming yep. from you, you're a lot. You're, you should. Mm-hmm. But still, all said, uh, you know, it's not going to be a promising win, a promising year for Akron to come ahead in the win total. But, I mean, even though Tom Arth has only won one game, which was last year against Bowling Green, do you think this is kind of going in the right direction with maybe one of the right guys in place to lead this team, being Tom Arth? Well, I think that Akron showed at times what the makeup of that team could be, you know, run, run identity, um, has some athletes on the defensive side of the ball. Even, even in the time that Akron's been poor the last couple of years, they've had guys that excel at spots on the defensive side of the football, you know, the safety spot between thinking about like Bob Arslanian obviously comes to mind. Cause we, we love that guy. Um, other guys on the defensive line have had some success from, from Akron. I think if you're, you really want to own that identity, you have to be like the working man's team. I don't think Akron's going to be the more explosive Mac East team. I don't think they're ever going to be uh, the team that just wows you and has the high re- highlight real plays that just, you know, shock everybody. They've got to figure out the way, a way to be the working, like the blue collar working class team that turns teams over and um, w- wins close games or finds a way to stay in games that they aren't, you know, necessarily putting the better players on the field and doing that. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a tired trope, but I, I do feel that way about Akron. No. Yeah. I mean, but like, that's the theme of a lot of these teams in this league. Sure. 
you sure. got to get good at development. Eastern's proven they done, they could do that under Creighton. Under Frank Solich, Ohio, you know, uh, can they prove that under Tom Arth? You know, I kind of hope so. They're, he's recruiting in the right direction. I like the direction that Tom Arth is getting, like, all his players from, you know, like the local schools making Ohio, making his corner of Ohio very important to Akron uh, to, you know, mend the way the locals see Akron, you know? Yeah, and they're always going to have trouble in the sense that, you know, they're going to compete against Toledo and Bowling Green um, for those types of players as well. Honestly, they'll compete against Ohio too because Ohio loves to go to Northeastern Ohio to try and get guys as well, trying to get athletes from that part of the state. So, but I mean, I think in, a, in some sense, Ohio loves to go outside the state to get some, some dudes, you know, they'll go further out in the Midwest, they'll go to Florida, they'll go to California, they'll go mm-hmm. Juco. And Akron can go the Juco route too, but I think yeah. you're right that um, they really do need to start to own a portion of the state, or at least, or at least get a certain get, get certain scraps. types of players from that area every year. Yeah, and not to like dog on the players or anything like that, or say anything mean about them, but like, you know, they're not like the blue chip players in Cleveland or whatever, Youngstown, whatever. But you know, get the talented players that like have you know, a good enough ceiling to make a difference in this division. Um, you mentioned getting Juco guys. I guess we should might as well talk about the roster a little bit. Tion Dollard. <laughs> Tion Dollard was awesome. I mean, he's proof that you maybe should hit the portal a little bit. Uh, I don't remember the last time Akron had a first time, a first team all-Mac running back, but Tion Dollard kicked ass last year, and we recognized every minute of it. Cato uh, yep. Nelson, he should be back after missing a season and a half with a shoulder injury, which is why we saw Zach Gibson out there all last year. There's not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot outside of that though. I mean, the O line's okay. There's some young pieces that I like, uh, not proven to be great receiver wise, you know, hasn't been a ton of, op, you know, a ton of, a uh, ton of answers out there really. Yeah. And they lost one of their top guys to the transfer portal yeah, to a wide receiver as well. So, I mean, shit, they're going to keep handing it off to Dollard, but he can't do it all. He really can't. And I'm real like, like we said a few weeks ago, like I'm really rooting for Cato, really rooting for the guy. Yeah, seriously. He's, you know, he's stuck in around, he's stuck around through, um, you know, four or five presidential administrations at this point. Right. Like, you know, he's seen everything back to like Ronald Reagan as the quarterback of that grand football mm-hmm. Um, he's going to start telling George Thomas stories about what the glory days of Akron football looked like. (laughs) Um, But I mean, they've got, you you look at Akron, the last couple years kind of mentioned it already. They've had some defensive talent and, and Arslanian's back. Um, Another guy that's worth bringing up is uh, AJ Watts, who um, was an all Mac uh, was, you know, all Mac caliber at cornerback a year Mm ago. And they, you know, they bring in some transfers. They bring in guys like, uh, um, they got a defensive or a tight end from uh, Kentucky. I think his last name was like Odin, Odin, or Ognanovich. I'm not sure if that's right, but a big another big tight end and some other guys like uh, they got two guys from Michigan State. I remember you pointing that out to me at one point where it's like, oh, a lot of Michigan State guys coming to the MAC right now in transfer portal. Yeah, Anthony, yeah, Anthony Boating, yeah. I think that's his name, linebacker. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy to watch. Boating, yeah, and both of these guys were very highly recruited too, or they were they were high three star guys that went to Michigan State. Anthony Williams at running back. He was a one of those guys who you look at the composite score on twenty four seven or whatever, and like, oh, 
good recruit. That'd be really good for Akron to have. And then uh, yeah. Boating as well is like the type of guy who I would have to imagine. Um, not particularly big, but I mean, 6'2", 210, he's going to be a good size for a Mac linebacker. And he'll be fine there. I would have to imagine he's the guy they plug in right away. Yeah, hey, hey, man, as long as, like, he's a good athlete and he's tough, he's going to see the field for Akron, like, because they got to have that, you know. Akron's not going to, like I said, with when it comes to, like, the win-loss column, just expect Akron to not be on the winning side of that, especially with, oh, my God, that's that back half of the schedule is so nasty. But if they could start, like, at least doing what Eastern did a few years ago, just, like, closing the gap, like, turning these three score games into three points you know like making games closer in the end i think that's all going to come through a lot of grit on the defense and i think akron i don't know i think culturally they've moved in a good direction to where like they're all buying into each other and if they weren't enjoying the kind of football that they're playing under arth it'd be very obvious to us uh but it kind of looks like you know these guys enjoy playing out there with one another in this regime. So I'd like to see an Akron that really pisses off Kent State. Yeah, maybe Kent State's going to gonna beat Akron, but maybe the score is only like 24 to 18. Sure. I don't know. The I would like to think if we're going to, if we're going to see Akron, let's not say blossom. Let's say, put some some good developmental um <laughs> we're gonna see some highlights hopefully <laughs> i don't know something that shows there's something of a, of a of an explosiveness in the passing game maybe that's from nelson working with guys who don't have notoriety yet i don't think you're looking at this wide receiver group and being like ah oh, we got to shut this guy down yet so if Akron they show have- something that they can build on is that the uh is that is that the newsy word? Is that how we do media stuff? I don't know, man. Like, they're not going to have a guy that you can just shut down at the wide receiver group and just go, oh, we can get rid of them. We shut down the passing game. Because, frankly, you don't know who it is for Akron yet. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be another chance for young receivers to blossom. It's a situation that uh, Bowling Green was found itself in last year. And at, at this point, Akron has a lot better quarterback situation with Nelson coming back. And... And I don't I, know. And Iron's coming in if he's like any good as a Juco guy. Sure. He might not play this year, but he might be pretty good. Might get some snaps. Yeah. And to, and to your earlier point about the recruiting too, I think um, Akron did end up going out and getting, got a few decent guys from, oh, from like Northeast Ohio, every Ohio area. They got a linebacker from Archbishop Hoban, which is Akron area. They got a St. Vincent, St. Mary kid at safety. Uh, they got, um, some other guys from the Midwest as well. They went after some Michigan kids pretty hard, but they're just never going to be Mac schools in general are never going to be top notch recruiting powerhouses. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw the best, what probably the Mac is capable of in terms of recruiting when Fleck was at Western. I would think that's about as good as it's going to get before, like all the whole recruiting deal with like the numbers and how important the national rankings were. I'm sure Miami could have been considered up there in the early 2000s but right yeah but like akron you're looking at them and you've got to get your ohio kids on both sides of the football and you've got to get kids from michigan and then outside of that you're going to recruit further out so i don't know what that looks like in terms of athletes coming into the fold this year for them we've already mentioned one of the transfers at running back um wide receiver i don't know irons uh, quarterback i don't know anything about him 
Central Michigan. I mean, you talk about we're talking about a team with Akron that's kind of having trying to find good answers at recruiting in state. Central kicks ass at that, and I admire yeah. them for it. And I say that as an Eastern fan that you know doesn't really. I don't get paid to talk about Central in a good light, but under Bona, under Bona Mego, and under McIlwain, they're doing a good job. They're doing a good job of keeping kids, talented kids, in state, and making differences on the field. I mean, I'm gonna just speed right on ahead and look at the defense. A bunch of these kids on the defense that are playmakers are from the state. Uh, Alonzo McCoy's from Detroit. Devani Reed's from Detroit. Troy Brown's from Flint. Laquan Johnson's from Flint. Troy Harrison's from Birmingham. George Douglas, the linebacker, Ipsy. I mean, that's that's a, that's plenty of guys right there. And they're all not they're not just starters. These guys have, you know, started for multiple years and have made a bunch of plays for this defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, what is as an outsider to you, what is your outlook? for how this team, how this program has done uh, before and through this McIlwain era? Well, I mean, with with Central, you always, at least dating back to my college experience, I always expected Central to be a solid team, right? Uh, they were going to win 78, nine games probably. In a good year, they could be even better, just depending on the talent. Obviously, you look back and you look at some really high-caliber future pros who balled out there and really kind of put central on the map as much as you can be for a program of its stature. And I will still, I'm still staring fast, steadfastly in the belief that Bonamego got the shaft. He got the short end of that deal in undeserved fashion, but it's like at this point in college football, if you, if you have sustained success and take a rapid step back, you're very much on the line. Your job is very much on the line at all times. So they sure as hell made the right move with McIlwain. Yeah. It, it still shocks me to this day. They were able to pull McIlwain to the program and I'm, you know, still waiting for the moment when he up and leaves, but what he's doing now to turn them around and the way he did with a lot of the same players and get so much more out of a lot of the same players so quickly is such like a testament to like what they built in such a short amount of time there. And so for those reasons, I mean, you look at that type of immediate success, and last year was a – I don't even know if you can say a step back so much as, you know, you just lost some some decent players and faced a lot of injuries, and it was another weird – it was a weird year in general, so it's hard to gauge in that respect. But Central's – you know, they can be multi-scores multi up on a team that you think is more talented. You look at the Western game last year, they quickly jump up on them, and you're like, oh, yeah, right, this is a – this is a team that has enough talent and that's well coached enough that they can beat teams that have more talent. They can beat teams that uh, have the firepower because they're so well coached. They get the most out of their guys on the defensive side of the ball. They have well-rounded players at most positions on the field. So there's so much to praise about the central group that even without like looking at anything on the offense and being like, they're going to be better at any of these spots than any other position group. Like you're still like, there's so much consistency at the skill position spots. There's reliability on the offensive line there's an opportunity for several quarterbacks to really thrive on offense and then defense. You always expect them to have playmakers. So you just really, I mean, they might be the fourth most talented team in the Mac West, but they might be the best team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cause like as a team, 
they play like one of the most physical teams in the MAC. Just play style in general, both sides of the ball. They're one of the most physical teams on both sides of the ball. Um, like the way the running backs just like plow through holes, make their own make their own luck down the stretch. The way the defense gets physical and all over the field, they play, you know, east and west. Doesn't matter what position you play, they're always making plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, coaching wise, they're really good about making in game adjustments, in season adjustments. Uh, last year, the quarterback position just was not there. They were banking on, oh my God, I'm blanking. David Moore, the guy who went to Memphis to JUCO to central and helped out in the uh the championship the mac west championship uh year in 2019 he was supposed to be the starter ncaa suspended him because they're stupid and they really didn't have an answer behind him daniel richardson just was not there for it you know just didn't live you know just just couldn't give you the uh he was banged up too he was banged up a little bit but like he was short. He was inexperienced. He just didn't make enough right decisions in you know a short amount of time. Uh, Ty Brock, he was basically he bet he was basically a QB three that was an incoming JUCO guy that also didn't have a lot of time to prepare all year long because of COVID. Uh, made a few nice plays. Like I gotta give him, gotta give him credit. He had like one long run. He, I think he had a reception too. But they didn't have an answer at quarterback, so they decided to do Wildcat, uh, which turned out to to work. Turned out to work a lot. Uh, that's what got Kobe Lewis a lot of touches. Same with uh, Lou Nichols, Khalil Pimpleton as well. I mean, they ha- they just decided, you know what? Hey, we're, we don't have an answer at QB. We're not going to overthink it. The best athlete gets the ball. Go. And you know what? Half the time, that's all football is. And I, I really respected that Central was like, you know what, screw it, let's do that. Let's do the most common sense thing possible. Give the yeah, ball not, to your best athlete. I mean, that is a it's very much a high school a high school football type deal, right? Like when you're if you're playing like, oh, your best players are playing both ways both sides of the ball. All right, hike the ball to your best athlete, have a run fake or have a run pass option and go. Get that way. Go the other way. What else about this team do you really like offensively, defensively? Like, you know, when I say, when I ask you, who's your favorite player on this team? Who's your, what, what name comes to mind? Oh, it's still Khalil Pimpleton. Um, what he's capable of doing with the football in his hands and, you know, creating for himself and getting in a position without the ball in his hands is still phenomenal. Central has had a, a way of getting super athletes like that at the wide receiver spots and the skill position spots over the last couple of years. And Pimpleton, at times last year, I wondered like, could they be using it a different, using them a different way? But you know, their hands were tied in a lot of respects yeah. a year ago on the offensive side of the ball. So this year, I'm very much hoping to see um, an offense that has its identity about him right out of the right out of the gates and is getting the ball to Pimpleton. And you know, if he if they're gonna if they're gonna shadow the hell out of him and like pay so much attention to him, they've got a physical running back in, in Nichols who really matches the identity of what this. Uh, offense wants to do right and so you've got that they've got uh jacory sullivan coming back who's maybe the you can make an argument maybe the best number two receiver in the conference he's very capable of being Mm. that yeah i'm you could you could argue somebody else i'm saying he's very capable of being the best number two receiver on any team you want to say 
uh, Johannes Tyler, but that's more in the line of. I, I was not thinking that. But you I... were thinking. Well, who were you thinking, Alex? No, go on. Go on. Well, now I want to know after we get around okay, to this fine. point. After we get back. After that. And then Dallas Dixon, who you pointed out a couple weeks ago, and I kind of took note that, yeah, that's another guy who's really contributed a lot and um, could continue to do so. And they've got some other guys on the offense, on the, on the wide, wide receiver side of things that uh, can contribute in a big way. So, really, I think if the quarterback position is really consistent and thrives, then you're looking at an offense that really might put it together in a way that you won't even almost recognize from last year. Sky Moore. Okay, so that's a decent enough point, but like with <laughs> now, so now we're talking for those of you not familiar with Western, who is potentially the number two receiver on their, who's the best number two on their team? And they, they have a lot of very good number twos on this team, too. Not to so, not go way too off topic. Sorry, Central. Now we're going to piss you off and talk about Western and how good they okay, are. Well, but now, but just now that we're on the topic, are we, are we considering Jalen Halber number one this year? Um, I guess TBD. Because Sky Moore is more of the guy I would expect to have more. I would more, 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 more. more I would expect more, more. I would expect him to have more catches. Uh, but he's your number one receiver, your deep threat, who uh, requires the most attention, or the guy who's your number one target. And so, I don't really know who's the number one necessarily for right, yeah. Western or if they even look at it that way. Meanwhile, with Central. Khalil Pimpleton could be the best offensive player in the MAC this year. That's very much a possibility. That's not saying he's going to win offense play of the year. I'm saying this is a in the in the right offense with the right quarterback taking the snaps. They might have the best offensive player in the conference in terms of how he fits with the group. Jacory Sullivan has as much in terms of ability and you know size and experience. The, the size is very important. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he's like six two. He's, a and he's over two hundred. He, he's got a body. On he's he's so. huge, man. He's great as number two. He doesn't have the body of Johannes Tyler, but then again, who does in the conference? Yeah, I mean, like they've, but if it's even if it's not him, like if there's a different number two on this same team, like they still have different answers. They just didn't have the time to prove it last year. Like Drayton sure. Law might be the guy. Dallas Dixon might finally pierce through. Uh, I mean, there might be a freshman that we don't really know about at this sure. point. Um, so I mean, there's there's room for growth at. Let's call it the wide, like the wide receiver, wide receiver two spot. Jesus, I can't talk. There's room for growth when it comes to depth at wide receiver. Cleo Pimpleton is amazing, and his feet are so quick. Uh, also, another Michigan guy just making making noise for this team. Sure. Otherwise, uh, I suppose we got to talk about just how great Central usually is at defense, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, the. There's a good chance that the Mac Defensive Player of the Year is just on this team again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Troy Harrison was amazing last year. He was like consistently, consistently incredible at creating havoc in like the shortened season last year. I guess that's the way I want to look at him. And I really like <sighs> putting my fanboy hat aside. <laughs> I hope he. I hope there's more of it. He's so good. Yeah, and then Trey Brown's like the guy that you look at and say, he's got the tools to be really top-notch, right? Mm -hmm. To be a pro, yeah. to be the best athlete on the defensive side of the ball, almost no matter who you're playing. Like, he's that type of guy. Mm -hmm. And the production wasn't there as much last year. I couldn't I couldn't tell you, like, I can't remember looking at enough. Like, I mean, he was people. still, like, second on the team in tackles, I think. Oh, sure. And I'm not saying that he wasn't productive. I'm saying, like, 
in some way, I remember looking back at last year, looking at the end of last year and thinking, shouldn't Troy Brown have done more? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's sometimes just the other it doesn't always reflect that way at the I linebacker spot. Finish. It's not always as clear cut in that respect. Yeah. I think the other Troy just beat him to the ball too much. Uh, and just, like, at corner, they're just, they just need someone to, like, have a good game every once in a while. Like, Deshaun McNary, uh, he finally came through. I thought he only transferred last year, but he's been on the roster for a little bit. PFF called him a first-team All-Mac player. Uh, Phil Steele called him a fourth-teamer last year. You know, he just wasn't an All-Mac guy uh, by the people that voted, but it doesn't matter. He was still good. He was still nasty out there. Brian Edwards was a, you know, a transfer that followed McElwain from Florida, essentially. So, but he was still like, I don't know. Edwards didn't have like the best year last year. I'm just gonna chalk it up to being 2020, and I'm only gonna focus on what they have coming into this year, which is a ton of talent on defense. And yeah. it's gonna be one of the most physical groups. It's probably gonna be. This is probably the best. This is really hard because, like, I think Ball State has a really good shot at arguing for this, too. Probably the best front seven defense in the conference. Definitely a strong possibility. Because we can acknowledge, like we said the other day, that Toledo has maybe the best defensive line group. It's You can argue that. Mm-hmm. I think Eastern has a good argument for defensive line group. I just feel strongly about a couple of the guys they have yeah. there. Yeah, but, like... With those Buffalo. teams, like, I like their linebacking groups with those two teams that you just mentioned. I love what Central has at linebacker. And that's kind of hard to say, like, in this day and age with RPOs and all that stuff. Kind of, like, just changing the game in so many yeah. facets. How many traditional linebackers can you put on the field? Yeah, you can't, none, because, you like, can't traditional put, linebackers run, like, five two forties. You can't put three linebackers on the field who are all 6'2", 225, 230, and are run stuffers. And only move well just well just well enough to be able to stay on the field as a as a defender. That, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, I guess if there's any one transfer that we can focus on for like a second, uh, without really knowing much about him other than the fact that he was a blue chip prospect that didn't really get any playing time at Washington, uh, Jacob Sermon, because this all is going to circle back to how good of production can we get out of that quarterback position? Because if something's clicking with Sermon, he doesn't have to be the third or fourth best quarterback in this league. But if he's at least like moving the damn ball downfield a little bit, there's enough skill around him at offense and there's enough grit on defense to like piecemeal some wins together and at least steal some if they don't even win the West. But if they got a lot going for them, dude, watch out. Just watch out. A lot, of, a lot of reason to be excited in general. So how much they realize the potential, that's definitely what I'm more excited about with them. Kent State. The the favorite to win the East this year is Kent State. Uh, you know, let's – oh, my God. Non-conference schedule at Texas A&M. Home against VMI. Yay, a win. At Iowa. At Maryland. Maybe. Uh, and then their max slate. Home against Bowling Green. Home against Buffalo. At Western, at Ohio, Wednesday night against NIU. Who knows if NIU like has any answers by then? At Central, good luck. Oh my God, I cannot wait to see Kent State at Central. Uh, then at Akron, and then they close out the season home to Miami. 
it's not an easy game. Like, not an easy schedule for Kent State. They should... De- There's, like, some obvious wins on here. But I could see a lot of these games... Ignoring the non-conference, because I expect one and three out of that. But I could see a lot of these games going south for Kent State if they just don't have the points on the board that they should. Well, I mean, you're looking at a team that, for one is going to play some really tough competition right away. So they're not going to have, they're not going to run through the first few games of the season and just have this just glowing glow about them that they've beaten the snot out of everybody. Like they've, they've got Texas A&M right off the bat, extremely talented Texas A&M squad. They play Virginia military Institute. So that you chalk that up, but then you play Iowa and Maryland. Could they win both of those games? Yeah, honestly they could, but I don't envision them coming out of that slate of games better than two and two. And even then that's fine, but. Oh, I'd be so happy if they were two. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's completely fine in that case. And then if you're, if you compete against Iowa and Maryland, you're still one and three and say if you lose both those games, but with, with so many teams like Kent state's been like this in recent years, they've scheduled up really hard that like, Akron's obviously done it. In general, they the MAC is just you know taking a plotting in the freaking non-conference anyway. So it's not like you don't expect it, but for a team that is coming off as much success as it did, I, I'm worried about like the hangover effect of like if they come out of the non-conference and they haven't won, say they've only won one game, and say you head into Bowling Green right away and just struggle. Maybe not lose but just struggle against bowling green then you immediately go at buffalo at or versus buff sorry versus buffalo at western at ohio and you might come out of there like with two a two and five record and at that point you're kind of just fighting uphill just to be like all right are we a bowl team are we i know things kind of reset in in a lot of people's eyes at the beginning of a max schedule but Things could get pretty rough there after that Bowling Green game. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Yeah, like, and you know, they could they could be caught flat-footed against Bowling Green too, just because of how easy of a game that should be. Mm-hmm. And if Bowling Green has any sort of I don't know respect for itself to like play respectably in that game and kind of keep things closer than they should, even if it's for just a half, you know, that's enough to like get under some guy's skins if they let it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, at Western, early West draw, not an easy one. At Ohio, hey man, that's gonna be one of the tougher games in the schedule. But you'd rather have them at home. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. NIU, you should beat NIU. You really should, especially with all the inexperience and they only have like I don't know, eighty-eight freshmen on the roster. Uh, you should be able to blow blow by them. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe they have some guys that come through and, you know make some yeah, plays think, in that game i guess i don't know i think it's i actually think if niu is probably gonna have like a signature win that that probably as good of a chance as any against kent state if kent state gets flat-footed on the offensive side of the ball and you know niu has an identity at that point i could see them beating a team like kent state and though i do expect kent state to be the best team in the east i also think that a good portion of the teams on their schedule are completely capable of beating kent just mm-hmm. because of the defensive issues yeah the defensive issues are going to be big um and like a team like Central, like I'm, I'm so excited to watch like Kent State offense versus Central defense for sure. But if you flip that, 
you know, those running backs are going to run right through Kent State if they let them. Like, that is another, like, I could see those guys getting, like, 200, 100 each at least. Those, those guys as in, like, Nichols and, uh, and Lewis. Yeah. Um, Akron should be a win, home against Miami to close out the year. That's going to be a tough game. That might be the East title game at that yeah. point. Yeah, and it should be. The, <laughs> Sean Lewis, this is his fourth year. He's got guys on the staff that, you know, were with him as coaches at Eastern Illinois under Dino Babers, came through to Bowling Green and won a title. Uh, with Matt Johnson as the quarterback then, who is now the running back coach. Uh, you know, they have a lot of guys that, you know, they trust, they work together, they have that working relationship. So it wasn't hard for them to kind of establish the culture there, and it's paid off very quickly. Um, I'm sure people at Akron are kind of looking across the street being like, hey, you know, why can't we speed things up over here? Um, But for whatever it's worth, Kent State went from being a really exciting program for like a year in the 2010s to absolutely not that at all. Uh, Respectable on defense in some parts, but sorry otherwise. Sean Lewis has changed things with his new culture of being like fast, flash fast, and just having like 500 passing yards a game or at least shooting for it. Uh, they have the quarterback to do it. They have the returning offensive line to do it. They have younger talent that has come up and kind of flexed their, mus- flex their muscles a little bit in 2020, which was very promising to see. And collectively like it just looks like this should be the year based on how long the coaching staff has been there and been together and on having maybe the best quarterback in this league Dustin Crum uh but it's just the defense that gives us question marks but you know what let's ignore the defense you know is this enough to win the east you can be the favorite and still have a lot of questions I still think that they deserve to be the favorite based on their performance last year and knowing what uncertainty there lies with Buffalo, I think that mm-hmm. the upside of the offense being the best, in my mind, the best side of the football in the conference, like offense for any team or defense for any team, I think Kent State's going to have the best offense of any, yeah, of anything in that respect. So I think they deserve it. I think they deserve to be ex- to expect to win it. But I think Miami could end up being just well, way more put together. And some people seem to think that, Ohio could be. Some people think that Buffalo could be. I think that there's enough continuity in what Kent State has and even guys that they've brought into the fold that, that adds to what they already have that they do. They deserve to be the favorite, and so they should play like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, you know, what's one of your favorite players on this team right now? I'm going to start first. Marquez Cooper, badass true freshman year, great <laughs> running back. Holy crap, is he dynamic. I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, there's a lot of like size differences in these running backs at Kent, which I really yeah. like. You're either like <laughs> six three two seventy, or you're like five nine one seventy. <laughs> like there's just no in between when it comes to these guys. Uh, Cooper's on the smaller end, but he is he's dynamite, man. He's he is just a dynamite player. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, that's probably the person I would have said too. I really like him. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you look farther into what they've got, I mean, another guy like. Um, Let's, uh, now you know, I actually got to think about this for a second because it's taken a lot not to say Brian Bradford, even to just say the other big running back. But, um, 
I guess it's at wide receiver when you're looking at, like, you know, you've lost uh, Isaiah McCoy from last year and you bring back a bunch of guys who can do it. They brought in transfers who can play. And I think, so, like, I mean, I mean, Nikeem Johnson is the guy that comes to mind. I haven't seen him yet, so I can't say he's a favorite, but he's like a guy who could make a huge impact right away. Certainly. But why am I – I've completely blanked on his name. No, they're number two from last year. Poke? Poke. Jay Sean Poke. Jesus. Louise. Um, really liked what he, he brought in terms of, like, consistency and mm-hmm. just generally, like, you expected productivity every week. Maybe somebody's going to look at the numbers and be like, oh, wow, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. He wasn't that consistent. But, I mean – He's the type of guy that maybe he he might still might not be the number one receiver. Maybe that could be Nikeem Johnson this year. Maybe that could be somebody who's risen up and taking on a role that Isaiah McCoy occupied. And we don't know about that guy, but uh, Polk is going to be a really productive receiver in this offense. The way they throw the ball around, like he's going to get his catches. He's going to produce. If you were like a Mac fantasy owner, like Alex and I are dorks and we do that type of stuff, you would want Polk on the roster whenever you can, whenever that's possible. So I like him a lot, and I also like the running backs, but I would have chosen Cooper first. I really like Cooper. What round in our draft do you think you're going to draft Polk? Like, he seems like a fifth-round pick. See, I, I don't know because I've got to think. Let's see. How many guys do we have in our league? Like, it's ten? Like four, uh, no, oh, it's eight. Eight of us. Eight of us. So, like, 40 picks. 40 picks would be, like, around, like late round five or whatever. So, uh, I don't know. I would have to. I'd have to. You put me in a weird spot. I got to consider what, who, what, what touchdowns are worth, what yards are worth, what receptions are worth, and compare it to the other stats. But he would be one of the first like five or six wide receivers I'd probably want to take off the board, mm-hmm. just because you know that you're going to get production from him if he's healthy. It's very certain you're going to get a lot of catches, a lot of yards from him. I don't know about touchdowns, but. You're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get a lot of yards in general. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's gonna be really it's gonna be a really deep position. That is for sure. I mean all of these positions are gonna be deep with like you know the the extra year of eligibility and all these seniors coming back. So it's gonna be fun to draft and see where he lands in that regard. But uh, I mean this is so insular; it doesn't even matter. No one's gonna no one. All right, we have just like yeah, we don't have any new subscribers here. Sorry, sorry <laughs> for scaring you all off with with Mac fantasy football. You know. Mac fantasy football talk, but you're listening to this show, dumbass. Yeah, you're the one who did it. Yeah. You turned it on. <laughs> Why would you turn it on? Uh, but defensively, duh, I mean, you could you could run anything through this defense. I mean, that's that's the one thing about it, you know. They they played in a lot of games. They beat Akron, but Teon Dollar still had to run for like 200-plus in that game. Uh, obviously, they famously gave up. 400 plus and eight, seven, six. How many touchdowns did uh, Patterson have? I think it was eight. Uh, eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and over 400 yards. So. <laughs> and and you know it's it's not because Jarrett Patterson singularly dominated. It's because he dominated while so did his like entire offensive line. Yeah. So it's it's just a thing that like Kent State absolutely has to fix. Like you have to be able to stop other teams from running the ball otherwise you're just not going to win you know yeah. the, uh, the possessions you're not going to win your possessions 
Yeah, they've, and they've got some like experience coming back, but that experience doesn't have a lot of success, right? So Keyshawn Gamble was a guy who that produced in some ways last year. He's like a graduate. I think he's a graduate this year. I yeah. want to say grad yeah, school yeah, student. Grad student. Grad student. And then um, let's see. They've got some experience on the defensive line, uh, Seku Diaby, and uh, some linebackers with a little bit of experience. I mean, Brandon Coleman, I believe, had a little bit last year, but not a ton. Um, Antoine Richardson and Richie Carpenter, uh, Elvis Hines and Dean Clark in this defensive secondary. So you're kind of counting on those guys who've already seen the field to take big steps up if you're going to be a lot better this year. For sure. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, if they don't get it done up front, then hopefully the the backfield picks it up and hopefully they get some picks and create some turnovers over there. But that's hoping for a lot. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it should be a really, really great Kent State team, defense pending. Ooh. Yeah. Caleb, give me one closing thought for uh, for these previews today, or anything about Maxion that comes to mind. Well, we've talked about Central, we've talked about Kent, and you're looking at we're look, we two of the teams we've talked about today. You might be looking at the MAC championship game, so that's one thing to consider. That is very and, true. It, and it'd be if, hard though. what's that? It'd be kind of hard because they like play each other. Yeah. So. I mean, look, look, look at the – I mean, do you honestly expect the team that wins the East to only lose, like, one game this year? Like, I would I would fully expect whoever wins the East to – like, it's going to be, like, a to, – to, to the end of the season, whoever wins that Kent State-Miami game is probably going to win it. And I, that very much matches up with what I kind of predicted in my poll in the sense that I picked – I thought Buffalo would be third and I picked Ohio to be fourth. So – Buffalo could squeeze in there. I really don't envision a scenario where Ohio is, despite what some poll people thought. So I'll say that Kent State's up in the air. Central's up in the air. Decent chance neither one of them makes the MAC championship game. But also, I think Central, Kent, if both of them got through, that would be a very fun MAC championship game. Because if Central's getting through, you know their offense has had a good season. You already know that you could count on the defense at that point. Mm-hmm. If if Central Michigan's getting to the MAC championship game, their offense is having a hell of a year. And if Kent State gets over its defensive woes to get the MAC championship game, then they're operating on all cylinders in offense, and they've gotten better defensively. So if Kent State and Central Michigan are in the MAC championship game, that is going to be a hell of a fucking fun match. In a, in a lot of ways, that a lot of matchups for the MAC championship game wouldn't be. If I was looking at the end of the year, I was looking at Miami versus Western. Would not be as stoked. There are things to be excited about. Not as stoked. Is like a central Kent State game. If I was looking at Buffalo versus Ball State, yeah, there's things to be excited about. Ball State trying to repeat, but you know they've got the more talented players, and uh, Buffalo maybe has somebody emerge, but they're probably not. They're still not the sexy team. Buffalo wasn't the sexy team even with a tremendous offense last year. If Kent State and Central in the MAC championship game, that shit is going to be fun. Yeah. 